long hair and a beard and he looked like Jesus and I figured if you're going to start a church if you can get a guy who looks <laughs> just like Jesus that's going to be the best way to start I'd gone full time in the ministry and went from 50 through the 100 mark and the next year through the 200 mark and the next year after that through the 300 mark and we were growing not by nicking people from other churches we were growing yeah. by reaching people for Jesus people were coming to faith come on Changing the Headlines Leadership Podcast with your host, Stephen McLeish. Making the world a better place by adding value one person at a time. Impacting the world by impacting your world. Bringing you love, life, and energy. So stay seated, keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, because it's about to blow your mind. Three, two, one, and we have liftoff. Hey, hey guys. Welcome to Leadership Lockdown. Well, I, uh, well, I chat to my friends and leaders from all around the world uh, in lockdown how they're leading their churches, their organisations, their businesses, and even their life. Uh, so yeah, last night at seven pm, we had Nick Mercer, who is a pastor from House Song, Edinburgh, um, and that's a great, great. It was a great conversation. He is, uh, that's still up there. That's going to be up on my Instagram live feed to 7pm tonight. It stays there for 24 hours. So if you've not seen that, jump over. There's so much value to get from that. Um, but today, um, I'm just going to wait. Um, uh, we'll, we'll, today we've got a special guest. We've got Pete Anderson, who is the lead pastor from Destiny Church Edinburgh. Um, and for those who don't know, Destiny Church Edinburgh has done some amazing things in Scotland and beyond. It's an amazing church. Pete is an amazing leader. So I'm just going to just check if he's on. Um... Hey. hey, Steve. The main man. How is it going? Hello. Hey, I'm here. Hey, hey good yeah. to see you, Stephen. You too. Hey. Thanks, thanks so much for, for doing this. I know you're so busy. Um, oh, no problem at all. No problem. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, brilliant. So, uh, I, I know, I know because you are so busy. Um, I mean, you've just jumped out of staff meeting and straight on this, uh, this call with me. Um, uh, I feel so honoured. Oh, absolute pleasure. We have a weekly touch base with our church staff, and uh, it's a Zoom meeting, and it's you know, it's just a time where, you know, the amazing thing is in this in this uh, tough time is actually there's a real focus come in the team and you know everyone's mm. a real sense of purpose and a real sense of urgency yeah and um so in one sense it feels like everyone's operating in a real with a real passion just now so it's yeah. great great to have a touch base with them but hey great great to see you soon yeah you too um so because i know you don't have much time uh, we're just going to there's no uh, rush. There's no rush. There's no rush. Don't tell no me rush. that. We'll be here for the <laughs> next five hours. Uh, but so I already gave you before you came on. I gave you uh, everybody that was on a brief introduction of who you are. But just for the one or two people who do not know who you are, uh, could you just tell us um, who you are and what you're currently, what, what's your role just now? Great. Well, hi to everyone who's joining us. Don't know you all. I'm sure you're wonderful people. And uh, so. <laughs> Pete Anderson, um, 44. I spent half my life growing up in Glasgow uh, until I was 22, and then I moved through when I was 22 to start Destiny Church in Edinburgh. So I've been here 22 years now, and wow. so it's a it's a multi-site church in Edinburgh. So. Wow! And and so I think it was over. Is it over about 20 years ago you started Destiny Edinburgh? 
Yep, that, that's yep. right. Because he's not he's not long celebrated the the anniversary, and I'm sure it was twenty twenty years, which is an amazing. So, what what just take us through a bit of, a bit of that journey? Obviously, I've heard a bit of this journey before, but um, more, a lot of people don't know that. I, I see you as my friend. We've been work colleagues, uh, but you also were one of my Bible lectures at one point. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> right. You, one day you spent, I think it was the whole day, which was about three hours telling us this story. Now, we don't have all that, but uh, so could you just like briefly go over the kind of beginning, like at some beginning, how Destiny Edinburgh Church started, maybe a bit in the middle, and where you are at today? Okay, yeah, so I was 22 years old, and I guess what, what gripped me when I got saved, I got saved when I was 15. And what gripped me from those earliest days was a passion for the local church. You know, mm. uh, you'd read in Acts about this incredible early church that was just pulsating with the love of God, passionate about making a difference, and right. and full of you know God's presence and God's power, multitudes coming to faith. And I just saw that, and I also saw at the same time as that uh, a weak church in Scotland. Um, and people disengaging with church and churches in the decline. And, uh, and for me, that, 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 that passion and yet that frustration uh, mm. was, a, was a growing thing. When I was 22, I, I really felt God lead me uh, to move through to Edinburgh and establish the church. And when we say kick off the church, that sounds very dramatic, but it wasn't. It was just me and my wife, and there was a guy I'd started discipling, a South African guy called Bill. Wow. And, uh, I, I joke he had long hair and a beard and he looked like Jesus. And I figured if you're going to start a church, if you can get a guy who's <laughs> just like Jesus, that's going to be the best way to start. Brilliant. So that was Bill. And, and it just it started as a, as a small group in our house, in our flat. We, we had maybe five people for the first year. It took us four years to get to 30 people. <laughs> wow. So very undramatic. Five years to get to 50 people. I was working as an architect at the time in the city. And... Uh, by year five, we, I just knew that the moment had come where I had to give myself full time to the, to the work. So I left architecture, which was hard at that point because the career mm. was going great. And, uh, and that, that year, we relocated the church to the Leith Docks area. We bought our first building. I'd gone full time in the ministry and went from 50 through the 100 mark and the next year through the 200 mark and the next year after that through the 300 mark. And we were growing not by nicking people from other churches, because <laughs> that's, not, that's not church growth. We were growing yeah. by reaching people for Jesus. People were coming to faith Come on. Uh, on large scale. Um, hundreds and hundreds of people were giving their lives to the Lord wow. or, or coming back to a faith that they previously had. And so the church uh, really started growing. And we found ourselves in a situation where the building we'd just bought down in Leith, we'd now outgrown. And we were, we were saying, well, what, what's next? And the logical step was to buy a bigger building in Leith. But we felt the Lord clearly speak to us about actually starting us another location. And so we started our multi-site journey. And today we're at uh, five locations. And uh, God willing, we're launching a city center location uh, in September. Wow. And then a West Lothian location at least monthly by the end of this year. God willing, uh, weekly next year. So that's the... That's the trajectory wow. we're on. Yeah, so passionate about planting churches. And, and also we've planted churches beyond us. We've started maybe eight churches in various parts of the world, people who have, you know, uh, 
grown and, and got stronger in the faith with us, and then we've sent them out to plant churches. So. Amazing. And I'm sure one of them is in Hong Kong. That's right, yeah. Yeah, That's James. Amazing. James, and they've just planted now into Nepal. So they've, they're in Saikong in Hong Kong, and they've just now just planted into uh, Kirtipur in Nepal. Wow. From Scotland, you can go anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. And historically, we did. Wow. That's so cool. And yeah. what, one of those, um, those campuses is actually, you, you're just, this is called leadership lockdown, and you're, you're a great leader in the sense that you're always sensitive to what's happening in the culture and around the, around the world, what, what I see of you anyway. Um, and one of your actual locations uh, has been an online church which is amazing because every church has become an online church. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So, um, so that, that I, I just find that was amazing. That uh, How did that happen? Because, like, that is so... You guys were already doing that by the time you were prepared, ready to go when this whole yeah. thing happened. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're, we're very grateful for that. And the way that happened for us was about a year and a half ago, I, I just had this increasing sense of burden for people who were not connecting with church mm. and who physically couldn't or emotionally couldn't face a crowd. And I was actually doing a, a, a church planting training event in Dundee with some friends. And at the end of that time, a guy came up to me and he said, I had a, pro I had a picture as we were having that prayer time at the end. And I saw you with a pneumatic drill drilling through the ground and breaking into an area of darkness and uh, and i feel god saying you're going to reach people in darkness that was the prophecy wow. <clears throat> and straight away when he said that three projects boom 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 came up to the forefront of my mind and they'd kind of been swimming around there but all of a sudden that prophecy just triggered them and one of them was church online reaching people in darkness and so we had the dream i really sensed the lord was in it and a couple came to our church um who had the skills mm. But we didn't have the money. And um, a guy who had become a Christian listening to our podcast about uh, two and a half years ago, uh, he heard about our idea of starting church online. And he asked me, Pete, how, is it, how much will it cost to go online? And I, and I told him and it, and to, to build the studio, to get the cameras, to put some staffing in place and to do it properly would take tens of thousands of pounds. And, uh, and he said, listen, I'm going to underwrite that for the first five years wow and this is a guy who, who just a one-year-old believer he got saved oh listening to our podcast in another country i've been discipling him at a distance and and then he said i'm going to invest in that so and and since then every week we've seen people come to faith so our, our online impact audio was I think, half a million downloads in the podcast every year uh but but and he was one of the people who got saved through that but now he's investing so that we're able to impact uh, other people online using video as well using it's, it's, it's not just a one-way stream it's a two-way stream there's live pastoral support and and all that so yeah so it's a real amazing testimony that is amazing and every and so, week people coming to christ see which is great yeah every, every you know, week there are so many people coming to faith on that and just in the last couple of weeks it's just jumped up to the dozens and dozens yeah coming to christ you know that's what i've been um hearing from everybody who's been gone online that they're, they're all saying hey we don't have a clue what we're doing and this is uh, <laughs> we, we have been, our, our kids and wives have became the tech team 
Uh, but what they are saying is the reach has been unbelievable. Absolutely. And they're also saying that people are, are come to Jesus. But even uh, us, our own experience, we've had people reach out to us without even a gospel presentation and just saying, hey, how do we get to know Jesus? And it's Amazing. Just like the easiest, it's the best job in the world to do. And that's the best time, you know, like. Uh, so, so, so for you for you guys, you just, you just started the church and then mm-hmm. you have to stop physical meetings just after launching. Yep. Which must have seemed like such a curveball. Uh, yeah, it was just like, you know, we were like, I think that the last week that we met was the week that I felt, oh, we're starting to see a little bit of momentum. <laughs> and then the next week, <laughs> just like, it was like, oh, right. Yeah, of course, eight weeks into a church plant, there's going to be a world pandemic. Of course, that's going to happen. It's going to prepare for everything. Yeah. prepare for everything. But you know, I was saying to I was saying to Karis, I was saying, but you know, in years to come, when people ask us for church planting advice, I would just say, well, you know, we planted a church in 2020, and that's all we need to say. <laughs> just like you know, right. mic drop. <laughs> I'm only joking. That's true. Uh, that's true. Uh, but just going through that journey, and because we're we're focusing on leadership, um, what what through that whole church planting journey what would you say is one big leadership lesson that you learned through that whole journey yeah that's a really really good question Steve. you know i i don't always think i've always been the best leader i think I, i'm i think if you can stay teachable you can just learn what you need to learn mm-hmm. so that's probably that's probably it I, th- I think if you think you know it all then we're all in trouble but if, yeah. if, and I think the church took so long to get going because actually I wasn't a strong leader. Uh, yeah. And it probably, you know, if God had given me hundreds of hundreds of people in the early days, I'd have probably lost them all. Uh, you know, I had enthusiasm, sure, but I didn't have a clue how to manage a staff team and uh, hundreds of leaders and, and, all, and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I think God's gracious and we can't get from here to there in one big step. But if every step we just have humility, and the Bible says things like, if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask of God, and he will give generously to all without finding fault. And so, Lord, I need your wisdom here. And, and, and the yeah. wisdom might come in the form of your wife. Yeah. And you suddenly start listening. Wow, that's an important perspective. Or it might come in the form of a person. And, you know, as long as you have the same vision and values, people who have got a different perspective are a gift from God. People, mm. you know, if I'm a big thinker, I need some detailed thinkers around me. So just the humility to hear that. And um, I guess it's, it's the whole thing. You take ground in your knees. You just, you're, you're looking to him all the time and he just shows you the way. Yeah. And I, I, can I, I'm allowed to, Steve? Yeah, of course okay. you are. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other thing I was going to say is the thing that kept me going in those early days, because, you know, when you start a church, you don't think, oh yeah, by year four, we are so going to be, 30 people we are totally gonna you, you don't say that no. you, you kind of like oh by you four we're gonna be hundreds of people okay so h- the question is this how do you live with a small reality while carrying a big vision mm. now that, that that's a tension and it's a tension yeah. that if we're honest in the western world even the biggest churches among us would still feel that tension because we're dreaming of the thousands and yet the biggest among us are the hundreds mm. and so th- how do you manage with that and that, that's actually a really important thing because some, some people what they do is they shrink their dream to fit the size of the reality because there, you see, life becomes easier. You, yeah. don't wake up, you don't wake up with that ache in your heart because mm. you, you're, you're, not, you're not having to reach for more. You're, just, you're contented. 
but I think uh, I think the thing that kept me going through the hardest times was just, Lord, you spoke this vision to me, and therefore, how could I quit? Because sometimes I did want to quit, but that. And I say to church planters, listen, you need to get it from God. It can't just be a good idea. What you're leading here, whether it's a church plant or an initiative, it can't just be a good idea. It needs to be have been a God idea. And when yeah. it's a God idea, with that comes a vision. And then the vision keeps you going through those hardest times. And and you can't reduce your vision to fit your reality. No, the thing's going to shift as your reality will shift to fit your vision. And the, it didn't just keep me going, but it kept them coming. I, I found mm. in those early days, what, what made people want to stay in a church that didn't have everything in place, didn't have the great youth ministry yet, didn't have all those things? And the answer, if you ask the people, I've got many families who joined us back in those days with teenage kids. And I say, why did you stay in our church? I mean, the guys along the road had much better youth ministry. And their answer would be, wow, it was a sense of vision. It was a sense wow. of, there was a real credibility about the vision. We knew God was in it. So not only the vision kept me going, it kept them coming. And so I, I, I realized that when I realized that, I became incredibly intentional at just sharing vision all the time, uh, whether it be welcome to church today and, hey, we have a vision, or yeah. in the middle of a preach saying, that reminds me of vision, and then I'll go off on a wee <laughs> tangent. And so every opportunity just to keep sowing the seed of vision because it kept them coming as well as keep me going. Wow, that's so good. That's so good. And everybody's commenting on saying that's so good as well. Um, on that, though... Um, I, I don't actually know this, but what is your vision at this stage, at this moment? Maybe that's a bit too personal. I don't know. But, not uh, at all. Yeah. No, I, I, I share it all the time, so it's okay. not personal at all. I mean, and again, that's the thing. Destiny Edinburgh has changed physically. It looks very different to how it did in the beginnings. But the thing that hasn't changed is the vision. Mm. And uh, so, so we, we, our vision, we say our vision is to be a, a relevant and a significant church that sees the lost one and the one winning through Edinburgh, the Lothians, and beyond. And so that's, that's what we're about. And, that's and so he, good. Yeah, and, that, and that's, for us, that, that little phrase, see the lost one and the one winning, um, I, I don't mean one winning in some sort of shallow consumeristic way, oh, you're going to be winners in life kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but actually, winning means you're walking with God. You know yeah. him. He's, he's, he's alive in your heart. He means everything to you. And so it's, it's helping people in that discipleship journey, becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. And I, I just had a thought there. I remember you telling me a story, and I think, uh, but did is, am I right? Did people not come to your church and actually think they were in a youth meeting instead of <laughs> actual church service? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah well, that, that was one of the families. One of the South African family came in the early days, and they had two teenage kids. And I, and I, I, they actually, of that family, three of them became staff members. Uh, wow. One of them, one of them's still on staff with us just now. Uh, Anne became one of our pastoral team. Brian's on maintenance, and Ash became, was our secretary for years and years. Uh, but when they came to the church originally, it was like forty, twenty-year-olds in in a in a in a high in a primary school assembly. And I said, "Why on earth did you stay? You know, we didn't have the cool youth ministry." And they said, "Well, Pete, we remember our first meeting, and we thought." We sat through it and we thought, okay, I like the youth meeting. Wonder when the main service starts. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realised, oh, that was the main service. Uh, and I said, well, why did you stay? And they said, well, it was the it was the it was the sense of uh, vision and faith that mm. you know you, when you articulated the vision, there was an air of credibility. See, some people think that vision's going to be some kind of 
cool, quirky, sexy kind of sounding little rhythm thing. You know, more important than that is it's from God. Yeah. And because when, so when something's got a seed of God in it, uh, it, it says when people hear the gospel, faith is, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When people hear the gospel, faith arises in the heart and they get saved. But it's the same principle, I think, when you hear a, an accurate vision from God, a, a word that's articulated through a leader, that this is where we feel the Lord is saying, and that same principle happens. It just ignites faith in people. Mm. And, and that, that gives stickability. That, that, that gives um, vision. Wow. That's so good. Um, let me just, I'm just trying to think what, what question to ask you next. Um, yeah, this is a good what, one. Let me ask you a question. What, what's your vision for the, for the Renew Church? For Renew? Um, so, <laughs> we have not been, uh, we, we have not told everybody about it. But, uh, we'll just, we'll just keep it secret, just between yeah, the two of us. Yeah, just between us. Yeah. <laughs> like, but we, we want, we want to see them, um, I've not even told the people, our pastors, we come under this vision yet. <laughs> um, so they'll find out. Um, but uh, I, I, one of my visions is to see 700 renewed churches um, from here across Europe and beyond. Um, Amen. Big, big heart for Europe. And, and also um, in the future, maybe in the next decade, or maybe Brilliant. sooner in, United, in the United States. But, um, but just to be a, um, a church that is so involved in serving our communities, you know? So so it's like, it's like just, the, well, just the way that uh, Destiny is, it's inside out, you know? It's the church totally without walls. And, and our vision is to, it's been our vision from when, for a long time, our vision is still to make Jesus famous. Our vision is to see uh, one million people to come to know Jesus for the first Amen. time. And we would love to see that make, uh, maybe a TV network at some point as well. Um, yeah. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, so, you think, yeah. so you're thinking nice and small, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what you said is the balance is dealing with that thinking big, but having that, that small reality, that is, a, that is a tension. You know, that's a tension not to get down on yourself, not be disencouraged, and, yeah. uh, but, and not, not to go in with that crowd. You know, not to be... Like, you know, we're always, me and Karis are always praying for like-minded people to come along, you know, um, because like what I've noticed is people naturally have, can go to the small-mindedness um, and, you know, because it is easier. It is. And, and some people just think we're crazy, um, which there's some credit to that. I sometimes think that, Steve. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's the only reason you agreed to do this. <laughs> But you know, what I love about that vision is, so it, it would be such a small vision to think, oh, we just want to have this big church. I mean, what you've described is churches beyond. Mm. So it's, and, and I think there's got to be, I think when something's of God and there's got kingdom values about it, it's not just about you. It's about how do we make the name of Jesus famous in our land? Yeah. How do we replicate churches? I love what Rick Warren said years ago. A church's success isn't measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. Come so it's not, it's not about holding it all together. It's about sending them out and training them up. And, and that, that just reeks of the Great Commission. So I love that, Steve. May you succeed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, mate. Um, so you um, have you, multi-site churches. Um, so one thing that you must have to 
operating that, you're the lead pastor there, you must have a high capacity to lead that. Um, or maybe, maybe you don't, maybe there's a miracle <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, but on that question, how, how do leaders grow their capacity? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I, you know, those five years I spent working in an architect's office majorly helped me because, you know, I never studied theology. I mean, people these days could never tell that. They could never tell. <laughs> no, it actually could. <laughs> <laughs> I studied architecture. I, I studied, you know, the years in academia doing architecture and years in practice. But actually you think, well, how on earth does that relate in any way to what I'm doing now? And it completely does. So, so I, I worked on a brilliant firm in Edinburgh called Reak and Hall. Uh, in my opinion, one of Scotland's best firms. Brilliant designers, great design ethos. But what I also, the bit, that's the bit people in the public see, the bit that behind the scenes that I got to experience was the sense of team ethos they had and the way that, the way they operated as a staff team, the way they uh, communicated among themselves. And there was a, for us, it was a, work was a passion. And so it, it, it painted in my heart what a workplace could be like. Now, you know, you wouldn't necessarily get that doing Bible college. Uh, mm. You know, how, how do you manage people? But that side of things came from observation, watching how it could be done really well. And so, you know, a church staff, it's not like a company where you, you suddenly, all of a sudden, you birth a company and you have to employ all these staff. It's almost, it evolves uh, mm. from the ground up and it kind of morphs. And so you never are dumped all of a sudden with, I think we have 22 staff, but it, they didn't come all at once. They came one, then two, then three. And I guess that, that's the grace of God that you just have to grow as, as the thing grows. And at each level, organizations do this. They, they never just do this. They always do this, like this, and then this, and then this. If we're honest, it sometimes does this, and then this, and then this, <laughs> yeah. and then this. And the reasons it does this is because that's growth, and then that's the bit where you need to learn a few more things before you grow the next bit. And, mm. and so every point, you, you have to just keep growing as a leader. You just have to keep. And there's, it's not like any one knowledge you need to know. It's, it's lots of things you need to learn. So you need to just be a person where, okay, you need to go and talk to people. You need to have good mentors around you. You need to be reading good books. Yeah. What I said earlier about having just a constant teachability uh, to learn. What's great these days is we're, we're blessed with so many amazing podcasts, uh, the Craig Grishels of the world, uh, the, um, I was going to say William Carey, what's his name? Carey Newhoff, <laughs> the Carey Newhoffs of the world who just, just do brilliant leadership podcasts. And we're really blessed by that. It's great to learn. And, yeah. so, uh, and if we just keep learning, we just keep growing. So I, I, I honestly don't think I've been... I don't think I'm the best leader. I, I always look on at other leaders thinking, that's smart. That's really smart. I wish I could have thought of that. But yeah. what, I do, what I do do is I think I change quick. When I mm. see what I need to do and I think they're doing that brilliant, I'm just going to do that. that. I'm quick to bring the change. I don't, I don't dilly-dally. I, just, I bring change really quickly. Um, that's good. Yeah, and that's kind of in Destiny DNA. <laughs> uh, but I think you're a great leader or else... You wouldn't be on the on the show. <laughs> well, to get on this show, you have to be. So I, so I must You've be. made it. That's <laughs> it. I made it <laughs> on my high production uh, show. Uh, so you you mentioned there that you've got staff of like twenty two people, um, and then I'm sure you've got 
multiple people leading teams um, and things like that. How, how do you delegate? Yeah, so the, the way we're organized is that we have 22 staff and then we have about 185, 190 leaders uh, and they're voluntary leaders. <clears throat> yep, and how do we delegate? I, I have a, you know, the whole journey of leadership is just giving things away. Mm, so in the early days, so li literally, it's. I remember in those early days in the primary school, you know, at, the people arrived at the door, Angie, my wife, would be the welcome team. Hi, nice to meet you. Welcome to church. And then they'd go in and uh, they'd come into the auditorium and they would be me. I'd be the catering team. So, hey, can I get you a cup of coffee? <laughs> and then the worship would kick off and that was me. And so I'd lead them in worship. And then, hey, now we're going to introduce today's speaker, which is, oh, it's me. So then I would preach. And then after it, the prayer ministry team would take over. That was me and Angie. And then we would do the follow-up through. Literally, you're a generalist. You do everything. And yeah. the journey into leadership is just giving away and constantly giving away. You can play three chords on the guitar. You get to be a worship leader, right? Just find anyone even owns a guitar. You, you do it better than yeah, me. Yeah. And you're just giving everything away. And that, that process is, you know, so years later, now we've got a, a pretty structured staff. So I have someone who is responsible for all pastoral care. I've got people who are responsible for managing the church and making sure it functions efficiently. I've got people who look after all the teams. And I work closely with those people and they work closely with the teams and, and leaders. And yeah, so it's, so it's all kind of broken down into groups. And every church does that slightly differently. But mm -hmm. you've got to, I, I figure the best of my time can be spent with. Uh, Maybe signals went down a little bit. Hello. Oh, there we go. Back, back there we go. So I just heard that. So your priority is spended with the church planters that you have under you. The high level leaders running Destiny Edinburgh and then people who are planting churches beyond. That, that's what gets the best of my time these days. And actually, okay. if, if I go back, Steve, because sometimes what's more relevant for people, especially starting out, actually, I go right back to the very beginning when I was working in the architect's office. I gave, the, I gave my priority time to a very few people. So Jesus, he loved the multitudes, but he gave his best to the twelve. In fact, he gave his very best to the three. They were there when he raised yeah. Jesus from the dead or when he went shiny and transfigured on the mountaintop. So they, 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 got, they got his best. And so he, he loved the multitudes, but he really invested in the 12 and he gave his best of his best to the three. And my question often to my leaders is, who are your 12 and who are your three? Who are you giving your best to? And as, as a pastor... I love all people, but in those early days when time was so stretched, you know, we had a young family, I had a career, and I had to maximize my time. The best of my time didn't go to the, the precious, needy people in my congregation. And there are precious, needy people who, who actually take a lot of time, and uh, they, 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 they might want a long phone call in the evening, or, and that happens several times in the week, or they, they ask for a lot of emotional input. And the sad thing is sometimes those people um, don't stay around for very long. In the meantime, there are quieter people in the church who don't demand your attention, but who actually, the hand of God's on them and they could become great leaders. And, and I, I figured, and it's, it might sound brutal, but I wasn't meaning to be brutal. I mm. found that as I gave my best of my time to those few, that actually long-term, 
the needy were being cared for because I'd raised up an army to care for them. And so I, I, every, every lunch break, I just met a different person I was discipling. So five lunch breaks in the week, maybe three or four of those lunch breaks would be spent one-to-one -one with one of my key people, like Graham, Johnny, Bill, Kevin. They got the best of my time. I invested in them. And years later, some of them are still key players on staff. Some of them are helping leading things in different places. God gives seed to the sower, not to the eater. And so, so God invests in investors. You've got to find the people who you've just got a rise of faith for, and you've got to give your, your, your best to those people because th that's the future of the organization. And you, you, look at David's, you look at David's, King David in the Bible, when he was going through his pioneering season, the hallmarks of that pioneering season for him in the wilderness, he had two types of people coming to him. He had the mighty men and he had the, the needy. And often church plants have those. You have the mighty men because they've seen the vision and you have the needy because you know, this is, they, they, they haven't settled in another church and they come to you. And some of the needy become the mighty men and that's the amazing mm. thing. But that's what we want to see. We want to see mighty leaders raised up uh, and then actually you're able to care for the sea of need that's out there. Yeah, that's so good. Um, we, we don't usually take questions from people commenting on this, um, this page, but there's one I think is quite relevant for you to answer, actually. Uh, so we'll just take this, and this is actually from a friend who runs a youth ministry down Shollywood in England called Real. Um, it says, I've got a question that's uh, a challenge I'm facing at the moment. How do you help those only engage with church online to feel and know that they're part of the church family? That's a great question. Um, for, for us, Church Online isn't just a... We don't just do a pre-recorded thing and then let it run its course. Uh, mm. For us, there's live pastoring, so it's a two-way thing. It's not just a TV program. Yeah, yeah. And we really do... We really, really focus on that. So when, we, when people make the decision to follow Jesus, we... If they're willing, we take their contact details and we follow up with them. And then we're in weekly contact with them. We try and help people connect with small groups through the week using online small groups, Zoom or different technologies. Uh, and so we, you, you just got to do everything you can to not just people. It's not just a TV program. They've, watched it, they've actually engaged with the church. Yeah. And um, so all of our pastors, when, when this all hit, I said, OK, you're all seconded across the church online now. So all of our location pastors don't have locations anymore. They're dedicated now to pastoring people online. And so, we, yeah, we've... So it's the only way you can do it. You just... You, you have to... It doesn't happen by accident. It happens with a plan. You've got to have yeah. a distinct plan. So I've, I've told our location pastors every week, <clears throat> you're following up people who respond to Jesus in the weekends. You're looking out for the vulnerable people in your location. You're giving your best to your key leaders in your location. And you're supporting the NHS... NHS or emergency staff in your location. That's that's the priority for all of our location passes. So, and if someone connects online, we we see them as part of our congregation now, and we try and help them connect with every process we've got going. The, the small groups, pastoral support. We have one-to-one -one chats with them, phone calls. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we do, now we do that to the degree they're willing to do that. Some people, yeah. they they don't want um, too much contact from a church, and that's okay. Yeah. We respect that. That's brilliant, and that that's what I've always I've always loved about what you guys done online. That uh, one I could see it was totally from a Christ likeness. Like it was totally something I think Jesus would do. It reached people, and it was 
hey, if you can't make it here, we're going to bring Chuck to you. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that that you guys treated it as a church because I've seen a lot of churches that in the past that they had their online stuff, but it was more like an extension, like the conservatory to a church. Yeah. But what I loved what you guys done is you said, no, this is actually a church plant. This is this actually, is church. Yeah. This, yeah, exactly. This is church and I absolutely love that. So we got a thumbs up. So hope that I'm taking that helped. <laughs> that is brilliant. Uh, and then this, obviously we're going, the, the world is going through a world pandemic, a world crisis, the, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure there's a different name is attached to it. I'm just curious um, how you are leading your church in this moment. Yep. So uh, several levels. I'm aware of there's a a double thing happening here. Was it Charles Dickens who said, these are the best of times and the worst of times? Hmm. And it's a double thing that's going on. Um, These are the worst of times. So we've got to lead our churches and our people with empathy and compassion. And and if we don't, they'll feel what are our leaders doing? They're they're just they're so optimistic. They're not getting what's going on here. So we've got to lead with empathy. But at the same time, they're the best of times. We've got to lead with a great optimism and a great faith. That actually, I think I do believe on a global scale, God's going to turn this for the good. Mm, yeah. That doesn't mean that there won't be tears shed and anguish and pain. But do I think the church is going to come out of this? surviving yeah i think it's going to actually just i actually think the church is going to thrive the the tragedy is and this is a terrible thing but it's often i mean how many people if i was to ask them their testimony of how they found christ would say you know what i was in this terrible situation in life and i cried out to god oftentimes it's when people hit rock bottom that they turn to god so that's how this can turn for the good if people can turn to jesus in this time then that's one eternally wonderful benefit of this time and, you know, I, th- I think we're going to hear the testimony probably for years to come. Oh, yeah, I became a Christian uh, through the coronavirus. I think that mm. that's going to be a testimony we'll hear from years to come but the, when during the hardest of times. So I'm aware there's a double whammy. It's a hard time, but also it's a great time. So I want to lead the people in both with both those emotions in my heart. I want them to feel that I get it, that, that, that I, I get what you're going through. But at the same time, do you know what? There is hope. God's going to turn this for the good. You can trust him and, um, and you can hold on to his promises. And so we, we came up with a, a seven-step plan. Uh, I can't remember all the steps, but what, one is doing daily prayer. We do that on Facebook Live. Uh, everything is online, including kids' church and youth work. Small groups are online. Here's how you access. We, I've told our church, here's how you access pastoral care. I guess that's our plan. Every church will have a different plan. Every yeah. leader will have a different plan. But you've got to have a plan. You can't just react. You've got to have a plan and then work that plan. But one of the keys as well is constant communication. And so so we send out, I send out regular updates to our church, video updates, explaining here's what's happening. We understand you're feeling this, but here's mm-hmm. where we're going. Here's, here's the steps we're taking. And then it, it, I think people can, can help. It helps people navigate if they know the plan. Yeah. So it's one thing for a leader to have a plan, but if no one else knows the plan, you're missing half <laughs> the benefit. Sure, you've yeah. got a plan so you know what you're doing, but if, if, if they know what you're doing, it instantly helps them. Yeah. And my, my experience, especially as the church has got bigger, is I can't communicate enough. That mm. people need to hear it and then hear it again. And when I'm getting tired of saying it, they're just starting to hear it. And so keep, 
reiterating the points, reminding people of the principles, reminding people of our plan. Yeah. Communication, communication, communication. I love that. And I, I love your answer now because I, I knew you were going to give something that was going to be faithful, but I also knew you were going to give something that had the wisdom and it was the reality as well. Uh, so I love that. I love that you don't just give me the fluffy answer. <laughs> like, uh, now, now, just to be clear, I was, so, uh, and you see, uh, you see people, you know, Sam 91 is a great promise and you see people... Yeah. The danger is that some people could go to extreme and say there's nothing's going to touch your church, yeah. and and overpromise. Now, I think we've got to be careful with that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to go to the other extreme where I'm so empathetic there's no faith. Yeah. That actually, okay. am I personally believing for people's complete recovery? Absolutely. I'm not prophesying mm. it, <laughs> but uh, we're praying. So we have a, yeah. we have a we have a plan for that actually. So. Our pastors and our intercession team have daily updates on the people in our congregation who are coming down with COVID-19 uh, symptoms. And our pastors are praying every day and our intercession teams get a daily update with the names of people. And if someone recovers, the name goes off that list. So we're, we're persistently praying. We, we, I want to bring, I want to see the people come through this. Mm. And um, so that, that's a daily thing for us. I think by a miracle, we can see a different, a different result uh, by trusting God. Yeah, that's so good. So good, I love that. And also we're on this lockdown. Um, this is a really serious leadership question. Um, I can tell it's not going to be. <laughs> what, what, what is the first thing you're going to do when lockdown is over? That's a great question. Probably go fishing. I don't, I, 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 yeah. Are you allowed to go fishing in lockdown? I don't know. I, I need to drive to get to the spot. I, I go fishing just up in the hills up there. Yeah. And uh, I, I need to drive to get there, so I can't go fishing. Also, it's oh, not the season yet. So uh, I, I'm going to be getting up the hills and catching some fish, Steve. I'll, send you, one on, I'll send you one in the post. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. And also, do you know what? I can't wait to get to church. Can't, genuinely. Yeah. And I, I think people, that's where people will be at. I think, I think... You know, church growth happens in two ways. First of all, it happens by new people connecting. But secondly, it happens by people who connecting, connecting every week. <laughs> so yeah, typically yeah. most churches have, I don't know, 60% of the people who connect with their church there on a Sunday. But I think when we get back to services, people will think, man, I'm going to be there every week because, hey, we get to do church again. I think people <laughs> yeah. have a fresh appreciation. So I think, I think church attendances will grow because regulars will be there every week. But also it will grow because the the number of people who will be seeking God and or who will have found God will be incredible. Yeah. And I just can't wait to get back into physical church services, physical worship times, you know, be able to give people a hug, yeah. high five, all that stuff. Yeah. They say distance makes a heart fonder. <laughs> exactly. And that's going to be like, I've never um, appreciated my back garden more than my life <laughs> right now. More than your wife. More than my life. Oh, <laughs> more than my wife. wife. Oh. Come on, why would you call me on that? Live on... No, I, I thought you said more than my wife. That one, he likes his back garden more than his, his wife. No. Just uh, to clarify that. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to finish up in a moment now uh, because Instagram, for some reason, it likes to cut you off if you're going too long. I don't know why. Sure. Uh, 
But uh, so just one last question. If you were to go back to uh, young Pete Anderson at age 20 odds, uh, what is some things that you would say to him? Okay, I, I would say to me what God often tells me. And, uh, and I think he often tells me it because I just don't listen enough. Um, and in fact, let me tell you when I remember a distinct time when he told me, I was remember me and my family, it was summer holidays, we were in the south of France. I w it was a beautiful place. I was standing in the middle of the ocean, beautiful, clear blue sky, sun, ocean just lapping around me. Just, I loved it. But I was anxious. I was worrying. Mm. I was thinking, how's this going to work out? How's that going to, how's, is that person okay? Is it, I was anxious. And I heard God say to me so clearly, Peter, there's literally nothing you ever need to worry about. You know, the ultimate issue is dealt with on the cross. There's literally nothing you ever need to worry about. And it just, it, 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 there's me standing in the south of France in the beautiful ocean with anxiety in my heart. And then God spoke that to me. And I, I, I find myself, overthinking, over worrying about things. I mean, in fact, the very first prophecy that was brought over me when I went to plant the church, remember Andrew Owen laid hands on me and prayed for me as I went to plant the church. His prophecy was, God says, do not worry about building a church. Jesus said, I'll build the church. Just you make disciples. And then he brought this prophecy. But the very first prophecy over me was, don't worry. <laughs> so if I was wow. to go back and get the young Peter Anderson, I would say to him, young Peter Anderson, you know, just don't worry. He, he, he's so got you covered. He has so got you covered. Even the stuff that seems terrible, honestly, just let it run its course. Just don't quit in the middle of it. You'll see it'll just turn out fine. And um, so more and more, I am following that advice from the Lord and I'm becoming someone I will not worry about that. And so I pray a lot because I just keep giving the burden to him because the burden is high. And mm. especially... The ache in my heart isn't just over, oh, how am I going to cope with my leadership? It's over, God, I want to see a nation awakened to God. I want to see multitudes come to me. That's the ache in my heart. And I've got to, and it's hard to live with an ache. So you've got to manage your emotions in that. But in the middle of all that, I've just got to not worry. Jesus says, uh, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And so I would just tell the young Peter Anderson, don't worry. He's so got you covered. That's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, so, Pete, thank you so much for for coming on. I'm sure that everybody listening in um, just got so much from this. I know that I did. And I just want to personally just, well, I've got you on here, just thank you for just, you know, lately, just your support, your encouragement. Um, being so Christ-like towards, towards us and just really like more than you know that some of your encouragement has just kept us going so I just personally want to thank you for just being a friend when we've needed them so bless you Steve <laughs> yeah keep going uh, mate. And keep so in just touch I will do just before we go how can people get in touch with you um, well they're they're very welcome to, I, I, I've just started Instagram <laughs> so uh, I follow my, my kids and my church. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not prolific on Instagram. I'm more on Twitter. So capital P pastor, capital P Pete underscore. That's my Twitter handle. People are welcome to follow me on Twitter. I, I've started on Instagram, so I, maybe I'll become prolific. Um, 
And I guess the website, destinyedinburgh.com, that's probably the best way. Yeah. Awesome. Um, any last thoughts before we go? Yeah. You don't need to have any. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, and just I'd encourage everyone, you know, there are two hugely important things in your life. Uh, number one, it's God himself. And so every single day, a relationship with God is more important than everything else, your title, anything mm -hmm. else in life. So prioritize your relationship with God. Fall in love with him over and over again. Never become stale in that. Never take him for granted. Love God. Read his words. Stay close to him. And the second thing that's really important on earth is the thing that God loves. He calls it his bride. He calls it his house. He calls it his body. He takes it that personally. It's the church. And I just want to encourage you all, love your church. And these are hard times. So you need to be praying for your pastors, praying for your leaders. Can I encourage you all, keep giving to your churches because... Uh, you know, there's no offering baskets being handed around on Sundays these days. But church needs to, I, I was just on the phone earlier to a, a fellow pastor in Edinburgh who's really concerned about how we're going to pay our staff and keep things going so that we can keep caring for the people. Yeah. So there's, there's considerations that maybe not everyone understands. Just, just keep loving your church, keep supporting your church, keep praying for your church, keep being loyal to your church. We'll come through this. And I want the church to come through this, not just having survived, but having thrived. And if you can stay with God and keep loving your church, be loyal to your church, you will come through on top. That's what I say. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate it and so honoured that you came on. Pleasure, mate. God bless you. God bless you, buddy. Take care. <laughs>